Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me, See Me podcast. And I've got an incredibly important guest with me today. Um, Her story is incredible one of hope um but it's very it's it's very graphic and very disturbing that we have to worry about these things in this day and age um but she really is a guiding light for hope that there is always always a possibility to to get through these things today i'm introducing chandra Wawaruntu. how are you Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you. And thank you for hosting this conversation. It's important uh, people, our community and society to hear me. Yes. Not only to hear me, but you will see me in someone else around us. Yes, that's it. And to be honest, the minute I started reading your story, to be honest, I started reading it and I had to stop because it's um, very upsetting. And then, but to do it justice, I stopped because I wanted to hear it from you. I wanted the power of hearing it from you. So if you could, could you tell us um, about your story? Uh, Absolutely. Because of, I believe, the story, the life testimony will help to change how do we see how do we want to do and how do we act accordingly to stop human trafficking and end modern slavery globally. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story. So it was in 1998 when uh, political turbulence in Indonesia. So I was a money market trader, financial analyst, and an assistant general manager of treasury department, and specifically a minute a treasury activities with this money market trader. Uh, it was excited. I was so young with you know with a nice profession, and I never imagined at that time uh, it was ended. My profession ended because of it's just just uh, just amazing how the riot happened in Indonesia, how the fire they burn building they burn uh, uh, businesses and of course uh, I couldn't work because of 
the dangers, especially uh, there was a racism and discrimination happened in my country, Indonesia, where uh, Christian fight Muslim, Muslim fight Christian, and also the differences of uh, economic uh, layers and the difficulties of this population. And I lost my job. And I was a labor right activist that I went to the street fighting for uh, the better, the better labor law in my country, especially for women. Uh, I went, uh, I went to meet the president in, uh, you know, in the presidential uh, office to talk about how we do better and to protect vulnerable people that slave in the factory in many different, uh, you know, uh, workplace. I was so proud by myself. I went to the street, I raised my hand, I speak loud. Oh, it was amazing. But at that time, I was a single a single parent with, with a young daughter, like toddler, and I was thinking, I have a saving. I have plenty saving. I have millions of those. But if I spend my money, how my future look like, how my daughter uh, will achieve the best education, achieve the better goal of our life. So uh, I decided to seek an employment and in Indonesia, it wasn't uh, possible. It wasn't possible with the economic downturn after the, the incident or the accident, the political, uh, you know, riot that happening in my country in 1998. So uh, actually, I went to Japan uh, to, to be an Indonesian ambassador. And then I went back when I was waiting for my, you know, for uh, the next, the next schedule, I was thinking, I want to go to United States. I want to go to Western country because of I knew at that time, I was working in money market trader. So I knew, I knew exactly the power of the currency. I knew the power of US dollar. And I saw when, you know, <laughs> when, uh, when Asian look at and watch a Western movie, what you imagine is the beauty of this Western, uh, Western country, right? A blonde and then the, the food, like McDonald's, Pizza Hut. And actually, it was a fancy food in my country when I'm here. It was a junk food. And it is a junk food, right? <laughs> so I was excited with the music. I love uh, I love Beatles. I love, uh, you know, uh, ABBA. I love all the Western music. And also, I love uh, uh, Whitney Houston. And I said, like, why don't I go to America? Because the U.S. dollar is the power at that time, right? It's not, uh, it's not like Euro, it's not Australian, but the U.S. at that time, it was controlled the economic when you want to do, uh, you know, import-export using the U.S. dollar. You want to do the war, you come with the U.S. dollar. Oh, yes, I want to go to the United States. I will see Lady Liberty with the hand up to the sky. I will meet Richard Gere, the handsome in the movie. I want to see with me Houston. And I want to eat McDonald's, KFC, and Pizza Hut. 
So it was the plan. Uh, so I seek I seek an employment uh, opportunity to newspaper, and I saw advertisement said a uh, six month period working in uh, in hospitality industry, which is hotel. So uh, it was uh, it was uh, excitement for me to see the opportunity is in Hong Kong, in uh, in Japan, in UK, in uh, in United States, in many different countries that attracted me to go, and I paid three thousand US dollars for the job uh, with the expectation, uh, the promise, five thousand US dollar a month. Working as a waitress, as a server in the hotel restaurant in Chicago. Yes, I was excited. I was accepted after I went through many different tests. They, uh, I didn't know what was the test, but they asked me to smile. They asked me to walk. They asked me to just to be me. And I passed. I went to the embassy to, uh, you know, to apply my visa with the doctor. Documentation that provided by the agency. Of course, I trusted the agency because the agency was the biggest travel agent in Indonesia, and it was big building and big business. And I trust. I thought it was legitimate business, and I got my ticket. I flew to uh, uh, to New York instead of Chicago, and they said someone will pick me at the airport at JFK. Yes, I will go to the state six months. I will make thirty thousand US dollar minus three thousand. I have twenty seven thousand saving yeah. for my daughter's college fund. Imagine right, a lot. A lot of those, and I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking about the dangers. I wasn't thinking about many things. I trust because this is a big country, Western country, that uh, talk about the goodness of what they have. So someone picked me up. Uh, long shot. Uh, they took me with many people. The same destination. This business. Uh, the agent that picked us. His name was Johnny Wong. He was Malaysian, and six people together with the same destination, the same job in the hotel in Chicago. But the fact, uh, he said, uh, we we cannot go to your workplace. Uh, he always mentioned workplace, so my assumption at that time it was the hotel in Chicago. So he said, "You will go with me with another two girls. They were younger. So I was twenty-four years old on my arrival in United uh, in United States, and those girls about seventeen and fifteen years old. So I was the oldest. And then uh, we went to the car, and then they took us uh, to somewhere. And I, I I saw a big hotel. It was Sheraton Hotel, and I said, maybe this is a place." I just, I just, you know, it was insane. Just thinking, it was the location. It was the location of the place that I will work. Actually, not. I was exchanged to someone else, and Johnny won't get the money. Someone else took me in, uh, in his vehicle, and then brought me to another location. I was exchanged, exchanged, and exchanged until the last traffickers that brought three of us. 
said, we will go back to my house. You will stay overnight in my house. So uh, I, you know, I was, I was thinking wrong, but they knew me because they have my copy passport and also my picture. And I said like, oh, okay. And then I, I got into uh, the, the vehicle with two girls. Monica and uh, Nina, and he drove to his house. It was like a townhouse, like, you know, uh, uh, like many, it's community. He asked me to go to the top floor, which is attic, like on the roof. Only one room big over there, and I was thinking, this is dirty. Because of I saw used condoms on the floor, and the bed was just filthy, dirty. It it wasn't it wasn't a, a home. It wasn't a room that you can sleep on. And uh, while we are uh, searching, looking around the room, that's smelly, stinky, and uh, this gentleman, this man, knocked the door and opened directly without you know without giving us time to open. And he said. I want to see your skin. I want to see your skin. Open, open. He didn't really speak a good English. And at that time, I didn't speak English well too. So it was mostly body, body language conversation. And I said like, no, I said. Uh, he tried to to pull, uh, you know, uh, the youngest uh, girl's clothes. And I said, no, no. Because of no one can see my body. No one can see my skin. And he said he wants to see the skin in case we have tattoo or skin problem. I said, no. When I say no many times loud, he pulled my hand and put the, hat, the gun on my head. So I couldn't say anything. He dragged me down from the stair. He locked. He locked the door from the outside so two girls won't be able to go out. Uh, he took me down to the basement, he pushed me into the vehicle and uh, he didn't say anything, he just gave me a bad look, a bad expression, like very tight and strong with a gun on my waist. So I couldn't say anything, I, I tried to open the door and uh, the door was closed, like couldn't open by inside. So you have to go outside to open, like they put the, uh, the uh, safety lock on it. And he drove about 5, 10, 15 minutes, like very close. It was by neighborhood. And he stopped in the building, in the neighborhood building. And then he pulled my hand and dragged me to that, uh, that building. It was close uh, from the sidewalk. And he, he rang the bell, he knocked, he rang, and a beautiful lady came out and he said, Mama Sang, this is a new girl. Imagine, he said, new girl, Mama Sang, and I learned that Mama Sang actually the woman that ran a brothel or ran uh, prostitution. And the fact, uh, he pulled me in, Mama Sang hold my hand uh, nicely and softly, but at the corner, I saw a big man with a baseball bat, just playing around, like swinging around the baseball bat. It seems he was ready to beat me. 
So those uh, those condition and situation put me put me at the space of afraid, worry, couldn't do anything. But one thing that I said, oh Lord, just help me. And I have to comply with all what they asked me to do so I can go back to my daughter. Whatever it is, I just have to survive, stay alive. Few hours after my arrival, I was sold to the sex buyers. And Mama Sang said, it's okay, you start working and you will make money soon. In the morning, this man picked me up. I was sold to another place, another place, and they drove me to many different states uh, 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 surrounded New York State. And they took my passport, my belonging. I have only one clothes in my, uh, in my body and a uh, couple in my uh, pocketbook. And they said, I changed your name to Candy because Candy is a sweet name. Chandra is not. And I was thinking, why you don't call me Chandra? Chandra is my name. It's not Candy, but I couldn't fight. I will give you a new identity. I will give you a new ID. I just quiet, I couldn't say anything because of they have a gun, they always play with a gun, click, 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 click. I knew one second, my life will blown up. Uh, he said, you have to pay back 30,000 US dollar. I said, no, I should make 30,000 US dollar not to pay you because I give you the job. You give me the job to be raped. It wasn't the job. It was rape. It was abuse. Full with violence. Physically, mentally, verbally, and sexually. One customer, one sex buyer that bought my body will deduct $100 from that debt creation. If I didn't make 2000 that day, if the trafficker didn't get 2000 in a day, I wouldn't get a proper food. But they drugged me, they give me alcohol, and I didn't know if I can drink water from the faucet. Because in my country, we didn't, we didn't drink water from the faucet. So I didn't drink the water. I didn't drink milk or juice, only alcohol morning to night time. And I couldn't sleep because of in the brothel, they open 24 hours. When it's nighttime, they send me out for escort or something. Sometimes they drove me to the, uh, to the hotel, to the neighborhood, to the someone's house or to the casino. And sometimes people that brought me actually it's for, for, for the party, uh, still deduct $100. So in my in my mind, in my brain, when I finish, I pick off that debt. If one person brought my body for five hours, still deduct one hundred. So when I eat, when I ask, I finish 
this abuse. Finally, one day, I couldn't take it anymore because of when I when I fight, they put the hunt, hunting knife on my neck and ready to slice my neck. Sometimes it's break my skin. Uh, and the thing that I didn't understand at that moment, one person that carried the gun, he has a police badge. And he always said, don't do anything stupid. In my opinion, in my opinion, law enforcement should help people that are vulnerable, should protect people that are vulnerable like me at that time. But the fact, why he has the gun, why he, he was scared and he scared me, he told me that I cannot do anything. It was the fact. So I complied and I saw many, many women and girls abused physically by the trafficker. And I realized I couldn't do the same thing what they did. I have to save my life. If there wasn't a sex buyer buy or come at that moment, the traffickers and the allies would hit me or hit the girls. And uh, if we didn't take the drug, sometimes he just pins my nose and put the pill in my mouth or the alcohol in my mouth. So that's the situation in in the brothel or in this uh, commercial sex trade, sex industry where we are nothing. We are powerless. If we do something, you know, the payment is the abuse, physical abuse. So, uh, yeah, I uh, long shot, uh, they sent me back to Johnny Wong in Brooklyn, New York. So I decided that it was the end of the day. And he wanted me to go to another location, another city called Boston. It's not that far from New York, but I realized that Johnny Wong, uh, you know, won't protect me, even though I trusted him. And he always said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you were abused. I didn't know that you were sold. But Johnny Wong said, you will go with this man to Boston to go to your workplace. And I remember the workplace that I should go is Chicago. The city was Chicago, not Boston. So I start getting smarter and I said, uh, tonight I will stay with you. I will stay with you because of I'm tired. And Johnny Wong granted my wishes. And at that, that day I met another girl. Her name was Yvonne. Yvonne told me, hey, Candy, if you paid off your debt, call this number. His name is Stephen. He will help you to get the job. He will help you to make money so you can go back home and meet your daughter. It was another hope. It was another hope and I kept that number in a small piece of paper in my bra. So I'm afraid that it will, uh, you know, it will be uh, lost or taken by someone and I have to keep it safe. Nighttime, it went uh uh, Johnny Wong's sex business was slow at that night. 
and I walked around in that house to find out how can I escape. And I just said, oh, Lord, this is, this is, uh, this is the day. I'm done. I'm so tired. I cannot take it anymore. And the fact I, I, I walked around, I went to the bathroom. I saw a little window in the bathroom. So I climbed to the, to the sink. And next is climb to that small window, which is having a little space for me to be able to put my, uh, my half of my waist and my head inside to look out from that window. And I just see it was very high. It was second floor bathroom window. And uh, I didn't know if I could make it. But I decided I have determination because of every day I put my hope when I open up my, my eyes, I said, this is the day, a new hope. And that hope become a living hope. And that day I have the determination, this is the time. So I went back to the room. I told the girl, I want to run away. I want to run away. My English also wasn't, you know, wasn't good like now. And many girls just say like, okay, okay. And I prayed, you know, uh, I prayed uh, so I will be safe. And I went to the bathroom quietly while Johnny Wong slept in front of the door. And I climbed and I said, uh, I turned on the faucet. So it's looked like someone in the bathroom. I couldn't find any screwdriver. So I was a Girl Scout. So I was a Girl Scout and I proud to be a Girl Scout. And I, I realized it was benefit me in my survival. And I use I use spoon, fork just to open that window to make sure that I can step out because no knife in that place. It was, it was very high and I just said like in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I closed my eyes and I jumped. It was a miracle. It was a miracle that I didn't get any fracture. It wasn't me. It was the angel that helped me to, you know, to save me. It was, you know, it was God that, you know, I trust. And the fact the young girl, 15 years old girl, actually, he jumped on me. Actually, it was painful. You know, it was painful. He was, uh, <laughs> uh, but I took, I took, I took it as the freedom. Yeah. I breathed. It was, it was nice. It's fresh air. And I was crying because of many girls couldn't, couldn't, couldn't jump because of the window was so small and uh, I know it fear it was fear for other people uh, and not everybody have that strength like me so I wave my hand I cross my eyes I was crying and I said like, I will come back for you I will come back for you and I will pick you up. I with my hand, I ran to the corner, I went back, I wave again, I just said, I will come back for you. I will pick you up. So long shot, I and Nina ran. And we stopped a cab, a yellow cab, yellow taxi. 
and we didn't know where we should go. We just said, take me to the hotel, to the city. We didn't know where we are at that moment. Nina have a couple hundred dollars in, uh, in her pocket and I didn't have money at that time. So Nina paid and uh, this taxi driver stopped us in the big hotel. And it was another help that the receptionist allowed us got in about five o'clock, four, five o'clock in the morning. He let me in, he let me and Nina into the room and we paid only a little money. And Nina, Nina, the one who paid. We wake, we didn't sleep. It was so good that we, uh, you know, put of us took a shower. We drink the hot water that the hotel gave in the room. Tea, we were excited. Tea, coffee, we drank it in the hotel. Uh, it was just amazing. So we called this person in the morning while the sun out. We couldn't wait. We couldn't wait until morning, until the sun out. And we go out and we call. Actually, he was so nice. He was a nice man that listened to me. And I mentioned that many girls trapped in that house uh, and we were raped. Or we didn't know how to say it. So what we knew is we were, we were kidnapped. That was, I talked to Stephen and Stephen said, don't worry, I help you. I will help you and I will help you uh, to meet your friends. But don't worry, the most important is you. It's you, it's me. It's not Nina, it's me. And then uh, uh, he met me, he met both of us in the morning and he said, you're so beautiful, Chandra. You're so nice. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, we can go out. So he grew me, he made my nail, my hair, he bought clothes for me. Uh, and he took me to nice, nice restaurant. The thing that I remember, he took me to Liberty. Because I told him that I come to the United States, one of my dream is visiting Lady Liberty and he took me to Liberty it was it was good but I didn't know it was the grooming process of me until day weeks finally he's he was on top of me at the night time and he wanted to rape me I said no and I learned self-defense at that time so I was able to got away from him I got away from him and I ran I woke Nina up, come on, let's go. And uh, we wait until morning again and uh, we want to, uh, we wanted to pick up our stuff at the hotel and it's all gone. Stephen took it because, uh, and Stephen came back uh, and met us in front of the hotel. Stay here because of customer come. So I knew that I was in there, so, no, I said I tried to uh, to get away from him because of he hold my hand and Nina and he said Johnny Wong will come, and then he took the the phone like walkie talkie and phone uh, you know long ago uh, like walkie talkie and cell phone together and he he pitched Johnny Wong Johnny Wong the girls are here come and pick them up, 
So I knew that I was in the situation and I just punched him. I got away from him. Uh, just thank thankfully, I was uh, island self-defense at that time. And I ran, but Nina couldn't get away. Nina was with him. So I was alone. I tried to seek help. Actually, Nina went back to the brothel in Brooklyn. I seek help. I went to to people seeking, asking food because of I was homeless. I I I picked the food from the garbage can. I asked people to get me the food. I slept at the park. You know, it was it was a survival. If now I look back, I couldn't imagine how strong I was. If I have to rewind my life, I didn't know if I could do it again. Until I went to law enforcement, I went to Consulate General of Indonesia, I went to churches, nobody understand. Nobody see me as a victim. Nobody want to help me. Sometimes they give me food, but they don't understand I was a victim. I was a victim of kidnap. At that time, it's only kidnap, my understanding. I didn't know it was trafficking. I didn't know it was modern slavery. Until, until someone uh, approached me and I asked help because of I was crying. I was hungry. And uh, this man got me coffee and bread. And then he asked me why, and I explained. And he told me, come back here tomorrow. I will help you at noon. And I didn't know what was noon because of I didn't learn noon. I learned British English in my country, which is afternoon, uh, morning, afternoon, evening. Uh, nobody 12 sharp. I didn't learn noon is 12 o'clock in the daytime. So I was waiting since morning. I slept at the park. I was waiting. And I said, like, um, maybe he lied. Maybe he lied. Uh, he is not helping me. Maybe he lied. Maybe he lied. But he came. He came. He he kept his promise. He called FBI, and he assigned uh, us to go to uh, a local precinct. And uh, the law enforcement, the police officer, the detective came and. Uh, this angel name was Eddie. Eddie worked for the Navy, U.S. Navy, and he helped me uh, to, you know, to open up conversation with law enforcement. Finally, they took my case, they investigated, and I saw they called Indonesian Embassy, uh, Indonesian, uh, I mean, uh, another one is U.S. Embassy in Indonesia. They called the, uh, the flight, uh, you know, uh, the flight company, and I didn't lie. I didn't lie. It was correct. Hmm. And he took my my notes, so I have a journal. So whenever I go, I always like having a book, having a journal or agenda, and I put all. And it was in many different languages, in between English, Indonesia, my native language, and also Japanese language in my book. And they have to find out what is this? <laughs> what is this? 
so uh, finally, uh, finally they decided to help me and by asking, are you ready to meet your friend? I didn't know what is that. I mean, I said, yes, I said, just say yes. So he found the address from my notebook. Uh, the, the address of the brothel because of when they put me in the car, I put the, the name of the street in my book with the arrow, make a left, make a right, straight. So it helped, it helped the investigation. And I saw, uh, I saw uh, undercover, I saw sniper, I saw people with the uniform, without uniform, with the they strategize, they move, surrounded the brothel in the community. People like pretended become community members, sitting like uh, drinking or smoking outside nearby the the brothel. I said like, usually I watch I watch movie like when you know when Western movie like uh, showing how they extract people. So it's like. Oh my gosh, what is this? What is this? Like that. So I was excited but didn't know because of I also wonder because they put me inside the car with the bag. I was thinking they want to take me to the prison. I didn't know too. So it was like mess. Nobody explained from one to what is the step. And finally someone pretended become a sex buyer, rang the bell. And then uh, I didn't know the conversation exactly, but I hear like, uh, you know, lightly and they got in the line for me because I, I told them they, they have a gun and I saw like, wow. <laughs> and then the officer there uh, with me, like try to cover my head so I will not see their action. Yeah. Oh, finally. Uh, this officer, George, told me, his name, George, uh, he, he passed away already now. And he said, Chandra, it's over. It's over. So uh, uh, he took me out from that car and he asked me to see a blind. They put a newspaper on the door and they make a hole and they asked me to peep inside. And I saw that ghost. Those girls over there with a towel only without clothes and so many so many buyers sitting and I recognized Johnny Wong inside. Uh, the girls went out, I was crying, I was crying, we were dancing, it was joy. We were dancing together, we hugged the, the officer. <laughs> I hugged, uh, you know, uh, the officer Eugene and I, we were dancing, like, you know, them and dancing, I just like jumping around. It's the beauty, the joy of, of freedom. That I was able to see that goes out when I look inside from that hole that they made for me to be able to see. I said, they were enslaved and I'm outside. I got my freedom and I couldn't wait for them to get out from this door to experience freedom. So... They didn't arrest the people that bought us. They investigated the organized crime. It was the biggest in 2001. What? And some of them prosecuted. So I testified 
and they were convicted and prosecuted. And some of them still at large, but they didn't do anything to the people who abused us, which were sex buyers, because they were there. They were there, but they didn't arrest them. So, yeah, it was my life story, and I take from there as a lesson learned to be who I am today. It is a long journey. It is a long journey. I reunited with my daughter in 2004. And she came here and it was it was beautiful, my you know, reunion with my daughter. And he asked me, are you my mama? <laughs> are you my mama? <laughs> I was crying. Yes, I'm your mom. Because we just speak on the phone. Yeah. And we uh, we uh, we built our life in New York. Yeah. And uh, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult surviving without enough support. It was limited support, lack of support. Yeah. And finally, I was able to you know to gain my own independency because of I always have determination. They challenge me, you want to go back home or you want uh, to be here. If you're here, you will prosecute that bad people. And I have to sacrifice myself and I told them, I want to see those people that abuse me to be jailed. Yeah. And the fact, uh, the fact, uh, it wasn't safe for me to go back home because of the trafficker sick my location in Indonesia. So they changed my name in the United States for a while and then I kept back my name and I start my advocacy. And I was able to establish my uh, non-profit organization to help people that uh, exploited and traffic in New York and globally. That's uh, Men Mentari, is it? That your, yes. Yeah. Um, Mentari USA. Mentari mean sunlight, sun, sun bright, the warmth of the sun. So a lot of meaning from Mentari. And I take this name because when I was in captivity, I didn't see the sun because of right. uh, even if you see the door, right? There is uh, if there is a blind or curtain. From the inside, when you open, actually, they put the wood on it so you cannot see what is outside. Yeah. Even when I was in Connecticut, I was in the attic. I tried to escape back. Uh, I was a Girl Scout. I, I, you know, I just uh, connect against, make a knot. Uh, to make the seat the clothes long and jump from the from the window, but I couldn't reach the the ground, and I have to go back up because of this is too dangerous for me. I didn't know where I was. It's looked like wood, like in the wood in the forest. So a, a long story, but Mentari help since I established Mentari help five hundred sixty. Wow. survivors of uh, exploitation and trafficking wow. in United States. And we have worked in Indonesia and also in Caribbean island, in Trinidad and Tobago. Wow. Yeah. Uh, to, to introduce 
to educate and also to his awareness of human trafficking or modern slavery so the community will learn will be aware able to identify and know what to do yeah yeah so say, so they don't just accept that these brothels and these places are just what so they know the story behind yes because of they need to hear the story not only education about what is human trafficking there is a uh, there is a law by the UN by the United States by the UK by uh, uh, you know OSE countries have a name of what is human trafficking but by telling the story people will catch easily and remember easily what is human trafficking what is modern slavery because if you just talk about human trafficking blah 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 this is what you can do they will not remember but if someone a survivor speak up sharing the story for awareness campaigns for awareness for education people will learn even though somehow some community said it doesn't happen here Human trafficking or modern slavery doesn't see you are immigrant. You are a domestic in UK. They don't they don't see if they are British or they are immigrant. Mm. If you're a victim, you will be potentially everybody potential to be a victim, especially people that vulnerable, minority or having uh, you know low self esteem, uh, jobless. And uh, you know, uh, just underserved population will be like in Europe. Example like Roma Sente, Eastern Europe, very vulnerable, and also uh, it's it's just happening everywhere, and we don't see with our plain sight whether in the house as a domestic servitor become a nanny, become a housekeeper, or also in the farm, mm. in the farm, in the factory. Oh, in the restaurant, uh, I met uh, I met someone. Uh, you know, I didn't believe the first because I watched movie about people from China that brought to the state inside the container. Yeah, through the sea. I didn't believe, or I I thought it was just a Hollywood movie. But I met I met one. So when I did when I did outreach to my community. I become a waitress. I become a, a nanny. I become a housekeeper. I become anybody just to go to the street. I go to the community to find victim to learn what is happening in my community without me going out to the massage parlor to illegal brother. I didn't know how they feel. Mm. So I learned one girl from Malaysia. She was she was uh, in the container and she has to pay 75,000 to come to the United States. Yeah. When I was trafficked, the girls also from Malaysia without any passport, they, you know, they smuggled her from the sea and then they didn't let her go instead of they slave her, become a sex slave. So this is the... Uh, the, the relation in between smuggling and trafficking. Smuggling is not trafficking, but people that smuggle potentially 
or can be trafficked or exploited. Either way, it's 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 making a human being a commodity. That's, yes, it, it's hard to understand. Too like you hear a story as yours that he puts it into perspective of because you kept saying you know the fact that money changed hands when you first got here. So you you were sold that guy sold you to that guy that side guy sold you to that guy like like a piece of meat being sold along the line and then you said when the people were you you know using you that you know you said when they bought me you know you kept you kept saying when they bought me when they bought me and to me that really struck home as as being you know no human could be bought you know no like i've got i've got five children and i've got four grandchildren you know uh, of my five children i've only got one boy i've got four daughters and you was 24 you know one of my daughters is 22 you know i the thought of that happening to my young one of my daughters fills me with horror you know but that is someone's daughter you are someone's daughter the girls that go missing in the, in america and britain they're someone's daughter and this is what maybe the people don't see when they're, they're doing yeah, it is it is just you know just sad to to see uh but human trafficking is uh it's really hidden crime you cannot see yeah. by your plain sight uh and it's just just sad that uh, people sometimes didn't know if uh, if modern slavery, human trafficking actually attached to the unique unique cases. Everybody have different uh, different you know experience to be trafficked. And the fact is, human trafficking actually followed by technologies, Joe. Mm. Uh, why I say technology? Uh, previously, people like uh, oh my god. Uh, oh, sorry. it's okay. I've, I've, I've got... no, uh, uh, you got me. Uh, um, I, I, I finally, I just, uh, I just click something. So, uh, example, example, long ago, a long ago, children like kidnapped, right? Children got kidnapped, women got taken, but now, uh, they approach the children through the social media. Yeah. From yeah. the Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, yeah. and uh, now pandemic, uh, pandemic. Uh, I don't know if you hear the mega brothel in Germany was closed during the pandemic, mm. and the demand on porn industry is more higher, yeah. and we identify more children yeah. recruited. Because of everybody with the device now, the school with the with the computer, with the iPad, with the f smartphone, mm -hmm. so they use that to recruit a uh, woman. Even they they approach my son. My son is fourteen years old. He played game. Someone approached him through the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, as a parent, I think as a uh, uh, we live in our community and society that broken we should be aware and protect our family member our our children our young generation and everybody did you so at some point when you with, with mentari you, you and the the charity 
you, you actually went and advised the American government, didn't you, about human trafficking? How did that come about? Yes. <laughs> I never see, so when I look at myself, Stuart, I was nobody. I was kidnapped, nobody. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't like you know. Study in America. My English is. My son always. Mama, you have a broken English, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I told my son, and I told everybody that don't understand me. I told that is not my problem. <laughs> What's your problem? You don't understand me. I understand to speak, but you don't understand. That's your problem. So I, I, I'm strongly believe that you don't understand me. But I keep saying, I will not stop saying. And I involved with the policy, changing the law, uh, and also uh, introducing the law from uh, city, state, and uh, and federal and international. And I was identified by the administration of uh, Obama administration to be the first member of the U.S. Advisory Council to the Presidential Task Force based in White House. So I was like, oh, my God, I was from nobody. And, you know, how it turned up become someone that, that I think that's the, you know, uh, it's kind of dream for everybody to be to be able you know to to be advisor and we work with government agencies giving our voice giving recommendation to make better because of i believe people like me having the first experience dealing with the trafficker we should be on the table discussion we should be involved from the beginning to the end and also i'm so grateful that osce <laughs> appointed me uh, i was appointed by osce and odir to be the first international uh, survivor of a uh, trafficking advisory council right. to the odir and osce yeah it's just just keep the strength nurture your passion and compassion yeah. become a leader surrounded with good people positive people that support you yeah. and i believe through partnership and collaboration like me and you right yeah. people listen to the podcast and learn yeah. i think we will achieve we will we will uh, you know achieve more bigger scope in the global level and also i think more people will learn and aware that it's happening what can we do yeah. what can we do together so yeah whenever testimony uh come up from me i i just hope that people number one will listen to me yeah. the second is you see me in your community you don't need to see chandra in person but you see people that affect the mice like me surround us mm. it is everywhere and how you identify them how you help them how you make the report how you make the action to eradicate modern slavery and trafficking I think as well now, I mean, you've, you've led on to it so well that the fact that there's a, a new fight for you 
at the moment because in America, um, and I think worldwide, there's this thing, uh, but we're seeing a lot of it in America, this Asian hate. Now, you, what an asset to, you've come to the USA, what an asset you've become. You know, you, you, you've done so much and yet, you could easily be, and the people are constantly a victim of Asian hate crime. Um, yes. What, is, what has been happening there with that? This is interesting question, Stuart. And I'm honored to represent Asian community to speak now. We, Asian is underrepresented no. in the United States. That's number one. Asian people is always try to stay away from the problem. They just, like, I just want to get away from the trouble because of I just want to make living and also just to make my family continue their life and be better, make a better life than me. So I work hard for my children. And also, I think the opportunity that they give to Asian is not Asian is not recognized a lot. Only a few people that become a leader, and thankfully, we have few Asian leaders in this country. And also, uh, they don't understand that Asian is not only Chinese. What they understand, what they learn, Asian is only Chinese. And Asian is huge. Come on. Come on, American. <laughs> Asian is Indonesian, Nepali, Tibet, Indian. They don't know. They think Asian only like, you know, with the, with the sleepy eyes and like light skin. And uh, they just, they just uh, you know, think is Chinese. When they see me, hey, Chinese, Chinese, Chinese. Even, uh, you know, during the pandemic, Actually, the hate crime is up raised high. You know what? One element is we have the leader that started. Mm. We have the government leader that never serve people become a president that mentioned this is Chinese flu, Kong flu. Yeah. They blame the virus on Chinese people. We cannot blame someone because of the Chinese you know, because of Chinese or from China, what we have to understand is came from there how we we stop this infection instead of bully. If we have the leader is bully and racist, so it's create the government. It's racism is already rooted here hmm. since long ago. By stating that, actually, he threw the fire in the bush. And become boom. And I experience a lot. I cannot. I, I cannot speak on someone else's experience. But it is in the newspaper. It is in the social media. Mm. But my experience during the pandemic, I went to the store. The store owner said, "They are not Asian. I don't want to say what nationality they are, but." They said, hey, Chinese, do you know that Chinese people bring the, uh, the corona uh, to the United States? Uh, our store will not sell to the Chinese people. Mm. 
Really? I was so angry. I just bit my tongue. I stepped out. I was with my good friend of mine, which is, uh, you know, like uh, Asian also. I just said, like, if I fight, I'm going to fight strong. So I don't want to ruin my day. I call 311 in uh, in New York. I make a report. But the problem is we keep making report. But yeah. where is the action of the government? Yeah. Where is the action of the local government? You just make a data of hate crime and racism, discrimination, but you don't have any action. Your action, eh, we just speak loud. It is in the uh, in the example in the media, like a few days ago, a couple of days ago, the guy being in the subway and someone tweeted in the TikTok and it take it draw the attention. How about another people? Where is the, the action? So we have to act accordingly without without uh, putting separation in between color. We have to treat them equally. We have to treat the criminal equally, not because of you are white or you black or you yellow or you brown. No, crime is crime. Yeah. So this is what we don't have here. So we keep reporting Asian hate crime. Uh, I walk, someone spat on me, poof, and it's like Chinese. So what is that? And sometimes I fight. Uh, when I go to the store, I fight. I'm not Chinese, I said. Because they said, uh, Ni hao mama. I said, like, please respect Chinese people. And I'm not Chinese. Yeah. Because of, I'm so angry, Every they treat everybody like... Uh, one is Chinese and we should stand Asian is Asian and don't pick on someone color, someone nationality, someone race because of we all breathe the same air in this universe. We drink the same water that came from our earth. We eat all the, you know, the gods that, you know, that grow from this earth, only one earth. So let's put away there. Let's see them as our sister and brother from different, you know, countries because of riches uh, of humanity and dignity. And I respect everybody. Everybody should respect me. Uh, the the incident in Atlanta. Maybe you want to know about incident in Atlanta that uh, six Asian women were killed by the white man, very young man. And uh, I see this is sexism, misogyny, how the hate to the woman. Mm. And also, if we look at it and we look deeper, these people just try to earn some money to survive mm. during the pandemic. They have to send the money to the family. They have to feed people in this house, in the house, providing food on the table to help the family. They are not harmful. They are not harmful. They don't have weapon. They just try to survive like other people in these difficulties. And this man just come and shoot them with the expectation to eliminate her sexual desire, her sex 
to fulfill uh you know uh his sexuality to eliminate that you know just like come on it's not and if it's not mental health you just hate this is not mental health you know addiction is addiction to sex in my opinion scientifically is not mental health because you combine with the hate among the asian people you have a passion passion and hating them you have a passion that this is from chinese this difficulty is from china chinese people bring this disaster this is not about eliminating your addiction this is because of this man is racist and by stating by the white leader in the enforcement sheriff enforcing the law helping to to uh, to protect vulnerable stating this is a bad day of this man this is ridiculous this is not a bad day for this man this man is anger hate hatred hate people he compile all this hate become a so passion by killing them is done and then he use he use excuse that if i kill them i will be safe from my addiction i will eliminate my desire i have i have a bad day you say this is a bad day because of it is white if the black people the yellow people the brown people kill it will be different statement and also do you think those women having a lucky day to be killed those women that work every day during the pandemic having mass on mm. have to to travel with this difficulties covering their face to be safe not to get infected having a bad day every day sometimes this woman you know sexually harass mm. they are harass assaulted when they are doing what they have to do so please i call up to to all the people that become a leader politician or people law enforcement we have to look beneath the surface regardless the color yeah. regardless the social background yeah we have to treat them equally criminal equal as a criminal not because of the white not to be prosecuted because of their brown not to be prosecuted because of the black not, not to be prosecuted no all equal yeah all regardless the color the victim also if the victim if the victim like you know uh it's not really asian it's not asian please bring up to we have to bring up victim also equally not because of this is white people we have to do the most action this is asian not this is black not come on all do equally so that's my calling to every one of us let's look everybody as a human being it's just a beautiful to see the color actually right it's a beautiful that people colorful yeah. when we start looking it's colorful from the light to the dark
and how you see us with our different eyes different color i i always love plants sometimes i dye my hair because of, i i see the beauty of the color so come on let's take a positive mindset let's develop positive mindset yeah. that human being are beautiful Yeah. Let's see them with the beauty, not with the anger, not separation, right? Yeah, we're peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> we're peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> we're peaceful. That's the thing. It's it, you know, it's it's heartbreaking that we haven't learned from history that you know we still have to even after everything that that we've been through through history, we still have to learn about loving each other. Um, but uh, hopefully. Um, In the next couple of years, I'm hoping we've got, you know, like there's possibilities we may be taking haircuts from us to, to the US. We keep getting asked to go over there. I really pray that when I manage to get over there, I'd, I'd really want to meet you in person. Maybe I'll dye your hair blonde for you. <laughs> yes. When I go to Britain or go somewhere, uh, God will, we will meet in person and also for the listener, you know, I hope one day we, uh, you know, we meet in person, yeah. but we can see virtually anytime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that people that watch, yeah. hear yeah. me, see me, podcast, yeah. will continue to support this podcast because of Stuart Roberts bring It's discussion with the purpose to educate, to raise awareness that we listen to the source with the expectation is let's unite it and do something for the better world. Doing good for the better world. Start with hear me, see me, and act together. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank, thank you so much. And... Um... I really appreciate your time coming on, and um, yeah, that, that's uh, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping in touch, Chandra. Thank you so much, and uh, if you need my support, my help in many ways, yeah. you have fan or whatever, please let me know. I will have to to share it with my community because of I love what you're doing. Thank you. I love what you're doing. It is like touching when I see like what. <laughs> with the name like this is what we're doing like feeding homeless and we do the they make up their hair with you know giving them shape thank you thank you for your beautiful heart to love our neighbor thank you thank you and uh we'll definitely be in touch Sandra thank you very much <laughs> you're welcome see you again just over five years ago I did something that changed my life what it did more than I could have ever realised. It helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job. This is a calling. <laughs>